so are you really there? Or are you really here? So when the conditions are right, wisdom comes. And we can be responsible or caring or focus on creating the conditions that support the arising of wisdom. And one of that forms one of the one of one for very important form of wisdom, maybe central to this early Buddhist tradition, is um, insight, wisdom about anicca. Anicca is the Pali word, and it a n i c c a. Most commonly, it's translated into English as impermanence. But many people, when they hear the word impermanence, there's a very strong association of it referring to the idea that sooner or later things will end. Things are not gonna be here forever. They're finite. And that has some truth to it. But anicca in Pali has a different connotation than things will end and that's it. But rather, it's the, it means that things are inconstant. It focuses on the inconstancy of things. And so there are things that are continuous in a certain perspective, but are also inconstant. So for example, breakfast, lunch, and dinner just keeps reappearing for most of us. And so they keep reappearing, they're inconstant, they're there for a while and then they're not there for a while. The meditation sessions of this retreat are inconstant. They're there for a while and then they're not there and they start up again. Our breathing is inconstant. The in-breath comes, out-breath, you know, and the the out-breath is, uh, in-breath is inconstant because it disappears and it's followed by the out-breath, which is followed by the in-breath. So inconstancy can imply not that things disappear once and for all, but they're coming and going, they appear and disappear. But the Buddha emphasized that uh, there's other kinds of change as well. There's simply things change even without going away. that uh, we get older, people around us get older. And um, sometimes we notice the slow changes and sometimes it's the absence of not seeing someone for a few years. We say, wow, that person aged. Things change. The things we have for possession, some of them get old. Food in the refrigerator expires. There's change. Sometimes change is welcome and sometimes is not welcome. 
and things become different than what they were. Relationships we have become different, they change. They weren't what they were before. Our interests change and become different. Our priorities change and become different. So one way or the other, impermanence, change, things becoming different, things are inconstant, is one of the central insights of the insight meditation practice and of the early Buddhism. And why is that? Why is it so important? So I'd like to uh, tell a little fable. <clears throat> There's a story of, um, apparently comes out of China. So it's a, the emperor of China uh, wants to uh, have a painting painted that expresses deep wisdom and peace. Has to have those two qualities in it, especially the peace. Maybe the, maybe the emperor is agitated and afraid or restless or something. And so he initiates a contest, a huge reward for whoever can do his painting that somehow expresses peace and wisdom. <clears throat> Many of the great painters of the land <clears throat> send in their paintings and they're all rejected. Some, you know, that beautiful pastoral, peaceful pastoral settings, maybe peaceful monastic sitting in meditation, serene and everything is good. Whatever they could, they, they, all these ideas came through. And, and the ministers went out in the land and kept searching for new painters and new painters because nothing would please the emperor. And they kind of had exhausted all the painters. Nothing had happened. Nothing was that met the need of the emperor. So, <clears throat> But then they heard that probably there's somewhere deep, deep in the mountains, this poor farmer who also paints. So they went and uh, brought this uh, farmer to the king and farmer got the instructions. And the farmer spent a long time on the painting. And there was a lot of anticipation and excitement because this was, you know, the last chance for someone to win the contest. And, and then he spent so much time painting it. So there was gonna be an unveiling and the court was there, the emperor was there, everyone was there to watch this be unveiled. And off came the tarp and there was a majestic large painting of a torrential waterfall pouring down fast and furious and churning up the water below and kicking up the water and clouds and it was like you know kind of a violent scene 
And the king, the emperor looked surprised. Everyone was surprised. Well, what's peaceful about this? What's wise about this? And so the farmer said, come, come closer. And brought him up really close. And if you looked really carefully, halfway down the waterfall, the water parted a little bit because there was a kind of a little, little ledge, little overhang. And in there was a little nest with a bird in the nest sitting peacefully and safe. And the farmer won the contest. So one of the wisdoms of this painting is don't expect your world to be peaceful. Don't live in an ideal that the world's supposed to be pastoral and there's no going to be any problems. No one you know will ever age and die, and get sick. Societies won't get disrupted by all kinds of things where earthquakes don't happen, cyclones, all kinds of things can happen in this world of ours. But where's that ledge where we can sit in the middle of it so we can be peaceful, gazing out upon it and seeing it? So some of you, probably all of us, have had some experience of being agitated ourselves and the mind is fast and furious spinning around and can't settle on something and can't even think straight perhaps. The mind is like a waterfall, it's furious and violent and there's not much peace in it. And in that state, there's not much wisdom, not much clarity. And this is what one of the functions of meditation is to help us quiet the mind down, settle it, show the mind that there's an alternative to being restless and agitated. Teach the mind that the safety that it's looking for is found within. Teach the mind to be more trusting Teach the mind the preciousness and the value of being present for our experience rather than being swept away by the floods and waterfalls of our stories, ideas, predictions, and past. It's a deep, deep thing that we're doing for the mind, helping it to trust enough that it doesn't have to be constantly searching and looking and jumping around. So the mind can become more peaceful and settled. And in a sense, it's in our mind or in our hearts where we find the ledge, where the nest is, in the midst of a world in turmoil.
And so one of the functions of this meditation practice is to help us find that. Help us trust more, feel safe inside more, feel content, feel, feel, feel a deep, deep contentment. One of the great teachings that my Zen teacher gave me, I thought it was kind of an offhand comment one day. He said to me, just to be alive is enough. And that touched something inside of me that immediately something shifted. Immediately I knew something. I knew, yes, all these feelings that I had, that I'm not enough, that my life wasn't enough, that there had to be more and get more and have more and attain more and prove more weren't needed. There's something about just being, just being alive is enough that helped something inside of me settle and relax. It didn't make me a passive person in life. I like, I like doing, but it changed how I did things. I wasn't doing, I don't do things so much because I need to do them anymore, but I do them because it seems like the right thing to do and helpful thing to do, or I like doing it. Just to be alive is enough. What happens to your heart when it hears that? Just to be alive is enough. Maybe there's a little bit less wanting, fixing, searching, maybe even running away. Maybe we begin finding that, that that ledge in the waterfall of life where we can sit quiet and dry in our nest and look at the world wisely. In a way we can't look wise when we're agitated. Imagine that um, someone tells you to go down to the river maybe a different river than the waterfall, just a nice river. I remember Siddhartha's, the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, the guy was, the Buddha, I suppose Siddhartha was sitting by the river. But imagine someone tells you that, you know, the, sit by the river. There's a lot of wisdom in rivers and a lot of insights to be had. The rivers are precious and valuable. So you're so excited, you know, the river. But, uh, you know, you, you remember that, yeah, your instinct is to, you know, you, you want to have it, you, you, you know, you don't, rivers keep going, you know, they just flow by, but you want to kind of possess the river. You want to have it, it's, you know, it's precious, it's important. So you want to, you want to have some of it and keep it and make it your own. And maybe then you can show it off to your friends and something. So you bring a bucket with you. So you can get very, your own, very own piece of the river and you dip the bucket in the river and you have your river. And then you remember like a lot of wisdom and insight in the river to be had from looking at a river. So you go take your bucket and you go take it home and you set it in the living room floor in your easy chair. And you're gonna, you start looking at that river in the bucket, waiting for the insight, waiting to see something profound. See, not realizing 
it's no longer a river. You can't grab a piece of the river and take it with you. It's no longer a river, then it's water. But to go down to the river and not possess it, not try to make it into something for myself, it can be such a profound thing to sit your back against the tree and just watch the river go by. And some of us can just watch rivers go by for a long time. There's something about the flow of the river, the current of it, the little wavelets and just watching them go by. And maybe there's some birds floating by in the river, debris and just watching it. There's something about that constant kind of inconstancy of movement and coming and going and flowing that's much more settling for the mind than staring at the bucket of water, waiting for something to happen. There's something that lets go and relaxes sometimes and just kind of watching and you, know, you can, it's possible even get absorbed in the flow of the river. And that's one of the insights. that the part of the value of starting to noticing the flow of change, the flow of constancy, the flow of things becoming different and moving is that it's possible to, that's a place where something in the mind begins to thaw, relax. Some of the ways that the mind is fixated and caught. Some of, some of us will find that in meditation that even in meditation, the habit of looking with our eyes, searching with our eyes for something, for safety or something we're supposed to get or understand. And there are people who go through the world kind of intense, their focus is on their eyes, searching, looking. And even with the eyes closed, there's still this energy of the eyes looking kind of like but if you kind of settle back and watch the flow of reality, things coming and going, something in the eyes can relax and soften. Maybe something in the heart can relax. Some people will do the similar kind of experience watching a fire in a fireplace or watching the waves washing up and down off the shore. I find it kind of so inspiring to watch the waves on the sandy beaches of California because in some ways I kind of imagine, I'm, I'm partly imagining that I'm seeing a scene that's repeated itself for a few millions or billions of years. The shoreline has changed some over that time, but this basic idea of these waves coming and coming and going and coming, something about the long time scale of this inconstant coming and going and the same thing, I can just watch the waves come and go for a long time. Something inside of me gets quiet and still when that happens. But to be able to kind of really relax into that, it helps if we have stability. We feel enough contentment that we're willing to kind of be here with our experience. 
and have certain confidence that we're safe and this is an okay thing to do. To sit here and watch the river of our breath, river of breathing, coming and going, the in-breaths washing up across the shores, the sand beaches of our chest and our torso, and washing out with the exhale. So over and over again, all the little changes and sensations, just kind of getting absorbed and just watching that. It's not an easy thing to do because the mind has all these other things it wants to do because it's afraid or because it wants things or because it's it's um, aversive or impatient or all kinds of things. The mind pulls us into the world of the mind. But to have this settle, the mind and heart settle so that we can get absorbed in a certain kind of way, completely kind of connected to this whole experience of change and flow, which is really inherent to human life. <clears throat> so it's maybe helpful to appreciate that when we're involved in the world of thinking, it's hard to see how our experience is shifting and changing all the time. But if you're going for like a walk down the river, I mean, it's a nice trail, the edge of the river and just walking down the river, a nice walk. And you notice what your senses are doing, even, even if you just limit yourself to your eyes, your eyes are every moment is taking in a slightly different sight, a slightly different, you know, seeing. Then the perspective changes of what you were looking at because you're walking and you're seeing it from the, first you're seeing it in front of you, then to the side maybe. Things are coming, appearing and disappearing. There's a constant shifting. And this constant shifting of what the eyes see is part of this inconstant world that we enter into. It's not just the river that's shifting and changing but it's also our eyes seeing, the experience of seeing is constantly seeing something new and shifting. And part of what is settling into the world of change is also to see it that it's not just the world that changes, but my perceptions are changing constantly. And my, uh, my, if I stay with the eyesight, that, you know, it's constantly shifting and changing what I see. But if I'm thinking back to thinking about my high school girlfriend and what she did and what I'm going to do when I talk to her and see her 40 years later, I can't wait to like give her a piece of my mind. That um, 50 years later, actually, I think. <laughs> the, um, the, um, I don't pay any attention to the shifting, changing nature of our pers my perceptions. And in fact, that girlfriend of mine, she hasn't changed one bit in 50 years. In my mind's eye, in my story that I live in, 
she is constant. She doesn't change. She's, and she's like always the person who did this terrible thing. And she's just still 17 <laughs> or something. The mind doesn't necessarily, the world of thoughts and ideas and stories has a different kind of permanence to it. That's because it belongs to the world of the imagination. The ways that you understand yourself, probably, I suspect for some of you, it's a little bit the same. One of the things I've noticed of myself is that my self-image is usually a few years behind my biological age. You know, it's just like, you know, not quite up to date with my little self-image. And um, because I'm, you know, I don't know why, but I kind of, you know, that's, if I have a self-image, that's what goes on. And um, <clears throat> so, um, so we can have ideas of ourselves, stories about ourselves, and we can lock ourselves into a kind of permanence, into kind of like, this is who I am. And we live in the ideas that I'm unchanging. This is how I am. So I'll always be this way. Remember when uh, some years ago I had surgery and um, they gave me pain medication and I didn't want to take it for very long. I think, it, but it, so I, I took it for a couple of days or something and then I wanted to stop. And uh, that worked out, out okay. I think I stopped on Saturday. And on Sunday, I had all these feelings like, you know, I'm really coming to the end stage of my life. It's all downhill from me now. My son, who was, you know, I don't know, 20 or something or 19, um, he's on the upswing of life. He has everything in front of him. He's going uphill. And it's all good for him. But me, I'm not down. I'm going down. And I doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to do anything anymore. And, you know, I can't really start any new projects or do anything. You know, just like it's, nothing really works anymore. And I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, probably have a foot in the grave already anyway. I'm so old. Something. It was, but it was a, this feeling, this, this bodily emotion that I was, those were kind of the words that went with it. So I mentioned this to a friend of mine later in the day, I was talking on the phone and she said, Gil, that's the pain medication. That's the withdrawal. Those, that's your symptom of the withdrawal. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and then as soon as she told me that, then I didn't believe those thoughts anymore. I'd been hooked into them, like this is it. And sure enough, the next day they were gone. It was a physiologically induced kind of despair. Isn't it amazing what the body will do and physiology will do? And, and I believed it, I got hooked in. So that's a world that the world of thoughts and ideas gives permanence to things. But the world of perceptions is constantly shifting and changing. Pay attention to your ears hearing. And there's a, there's a constant flow of change, of inconstant sounds. Some come and go, some go forever. Don't come back. But shifting and changing. If you, when you're eating your food, next time you eat some food, 
the sensations of your mouth, taste and all the different sensations of your mouth that come when you eat are constantly shifting and changing. Whereas my mind might be thinking something like, I never like broccoli. Why am I eating broccoli? Why would they give, why did they give me broccoli? And I'm in this world of how things always are. And I'm, I'm this person who doesn't like broccoli. And why do they always give me broccoli? Even though it's only this third time they've given it to me. It's, my mind already is making stories. But the world of the mouth, it's just all these shifting and changing perceptions. And the, the sensations of your body are the same way. We may have our ideas about the body being one way, and might have ideas of it's always this way, but the actual experience the body has of itself, the way the senses, the touch senses in the body work, and you probably find that in some way or other, it's constantly shifting and changing. And if you can find something in your body that's not, sensations not shifting and changing, if you become real intimate with it, you probably see that it's, uh, that also is changing and shifting. So part of what we're doing in this practice is not only appreciating that things are changing and shifting and moving and finding some stability, inner stability in the midst of it. That inner stability is also then allowing us to shift the attention from the world of ideas and thoughts, which most of us have been doing for a very long time. And, you know, some of you maybe have been very successful thinkers, and I don't want to disrespect how successful you've been and, you know, your track record with thinking. And, but if you're anything like me, my success rate in thinking is pretty abysmal. My ability to predict the future, imagine, plan the future, how many times that the future turned out to be different? How many times have I thought the same thought over and over and over again? How many times have I re rehearsed something over and over and over again? I think that at some point we have to appreciate that we've given the thinking mind a, a reasonable chance to show it what it can do. And it's a little bit, maybe slightly foolish to believe for the millionth time that the answer, the solution is just on the other side of that thought, just the next thought over. Yes, that there's gonna be, that's, that's where it's all gonna work out. Maybe at least for a 45 minute period of meditation, try a different way. And that's dipping into the river of change in your breathing, in your body, in your sensations. Even the river of change in your thinking. It's possible to step away from the content of the thoughts and watch thoughts just appear. Where do they come from? A new thought just appeared. 
Something fascinating happens in the mind when you see the birth of a new thought. You were just minding your own business and suddenly you think about apples. What, what's that about? Where did that come from? You don't have to answer the question where it comes from, but just, wow, it just appeared. And then you probably had thoughts yesterday. Some of them you don't even remember you have now. But even the ones you remember, some of them, like, are they as compelling as they were yesterday? Where do they go? To step back and just watch the process of thinking. And we'll see that there too, there's a constant stream and flow of change and movement. And so they're stepping back to see the change. So the person comes down to the river because that's where insight, wisdom, freedom is supposed to be found. And it feels really good to sit under the tree and watch the river go by. But it's a warm day. So the person says, you know, why don't I go for a river? Why don't I go into the river? And the person's a little bit foolish. So they're standing in the river and say, well, maybe I should stop the river. So they stand there, put up their hands and push, push back on the river. But that doesn't work. And then they think, well, it's supposed to be a great thing. Maybe I should grab it and hold on to the river tight. But that doesn't work. So what's a nice way to be in the river? So then it occurs to the person to join the flow, to join the changing nature of it all. So the person flips over on their back and floats. And sure enough, the little wavelets, the little current, everything kind of just kind of carries the person who's floating down the river. This is nice. Not fighting it, not resisting it, not holding on to it. Not taking it home to show off my friends how great, what a great river owner I am. Just floating in it. I can't appropriate it. I can't make it mine. I can't stop it. I can't cling to it. I can't, but I can float in it. This, this constant shifting and changing and flowing and moving reality, it's possible to float in it. And then an amazing thing can happen. that all of your impermanence, all the changing and shifting part of you merges with the river's change. And everything is the river. You're not separate from the river. Everything is changing and shifting. There's no ledge for the bird. The ledge is shifting and changing. And why is that okay? Because the bird is shifting and changing. Everything is flowing. To let go into that change, to let go into that flow of impermanence is one of the safest things we can do.
So there are three levels of seeing anicca. The ordinary level is what everybody sees. And there's a lot of wise people in the world who have become wise with, who are not Buddhists, who have become wise because they've seen so much change. They know that things change. They know the inconstancy. They know the coming and going, that things change and shift. And, and there's a tremendous wisdom. And they say that sometimes that's part of the wisdom of getting old is to see, I've seen so many changes and so much coming and going and so much suffering and so much joy. And at some point have a certain equanimity and wisdom about this is what life is about. And so sometimes we call like a grandparent, a grandparent's love, a grandparent's equanimity is a kind of love where the grandparents seen it all that a new parent hasn't. I could talk from firsthand experience at the, all the crises that I've had as a new parent with the kid that the grandparents, you know, they were just, they had loved the kids and took care of the kids with all the love they could. But what I saw as a crisis, it was not a crisis. It wasn't the end of the world that the kid fell and scraped his knee and was crying. So the, the grandparent, the person with grandparently equanimity, seeing the changes, seeing it all, and has this equanimity about it all. And with an equanimity does what needs to be done, but it's not a crisis. And then there's a second level of seeing anicca, and that's the insight meditation level. And that's, in a sense, stepping away from the ordinary way of being in the world, taking a break from it, letting something, taking a vacation from the ordinary way we think about ourselves, try to find our way in the world, prove ourselves, apologize for ourselves. It's kind of like time out. It's kind of like you've come to a free zone when you do insight meditation where it's kind of like a judgment-free zone. It's a self-free zone. You don't have to bring your, all your self-ideas along. It's a not needing to prove yourself free zone, not needing to apologize for yourself free zone. It's, it's not needing to solve your life's problems kind of free zone. And to be able to kind of put those things to rest enough because you have something better to do, a settling, a deepening, a connecting here so that when you're well enough and absorbed enough and peaceful enough, what becomes revealed is how all experiences you're having are a river. All experiences you're having are coming and going and appearing and disappearing and changing and shifting and flowing and all the time. 
all the perceptions, all the sense, ways we sense the world, all the ways we know things directly. And so that's, that, you know, that's, the, that's the second level of seeing anicca, the insight level that comes when the conditions are right. It's a kind of, I think of it as a revelation. When we're settled enough, quiet enough, peaceful enough, receptive enough, willing enough just to be present. And then there's the third level of anicca. And that is, it's not really a mental understanding, though I can explain it that way, maybe. But it's more a realization that the heart has or the body has. And that is that um, when, when everything is shifting and changing, moving and when thoughts are ephemeral and they come and go and rather than being invested with a lot of interest and importance, the thoughts are just seen as being as light as a cloud, even lighter than a cloud, just thin and wispy and they come and go and they flow through and everything kind of gets quieter and peaceful. And the flow of change is not so fast, but it's still, everything is uh, flowing. And we realize just like you can't grab a fistful of water and come out to, with water, you know, a fistful of water in your hand, something in the, in the marrow of the bones, deep inside realizes, understands that you can't cling to anything. It turns out that at this level, clinging doesn't work. The only thing we ever really truly cling to are ideas. And ideas are ephemeral. You can't really cling to an idea, just like you can't cling to water. And the realization that nothing can be clung to Something inside that's deeper than you've ever known can finally relax, finally stops trying, finally stops searching, finally stops resisting, finally just like a fist that finally realizes it can open up and rest. And that's one way of for me to describe the freedom, the liberation. That the third level of seeing anicca is the seeing of anicca that frees us, liberates us. And especially liberates us from all ideas that we cling to. Because ideas are what paint, paint with the world with the idea of permanence. Nothing is permanent 
in essence, in the world of experience that we're having, everything is changing and shifting. So yesterday I talked about Dharma confidence, being keep practicing. This is a fantastic path you're on of practice, but keep the simple showing up, being mindful, being present. And as you show up and be present, maybe, just maybe, you can now have a little heightened sensitivity or alertness or awareness of the river of change of your experience. Maybe it's as simple as being with your breathing, floating on the sensations like you would if you were watching or floating on the river or watching the river go by. Your eyes just floating on the surface of the river, watching the change. It's kind of a lot, very light, relaxed, peaceful, aware, present there. Maybe if you have a lot of emotions, it isn't, the, the, the task is not to fix the emotions. The task is not to do away with them or judge them or de- define yourself by them. The insight task is to respect them enough, let them be there. And lo and behold, if you allow your emotions lots of room to be as they are, and you really are attentive, they too are part of the river. They, they too are moving and shifting, which I like to believe is part of the reason emotions have the word motion in them. The E part of emotion means out, moving out. And amazingly enough, it's possible to settle back and get quiet and watch the river of thoughts go by without any interest in the content. You've been interested in content probably long enough. There's there's some It's a time and place for dharma boredom. You're allowed to be bored with your content. If that helps you to kind of like, okay, enough of that content stuff. Let me just watch them flow by. And if what I'm saying doesn't make any sense or doesn't seem very appropriate for where you are with your life right now, your situation right now. And I hope that the simple, basic meditation practice can at least serve as a little ledge in the waterfall of your life. That gives you some stability, some steadiness, a little place of safety in the midst of all the changes of life. So thank you, and um, if something that I said today about all this touched you or moved you or 
pointed to something that seems like it's significant, I would suggest that you don't just rush off now at the end of this talk to go off to do whatever's next, but stay a little bit close to yourself in a simple, quiet way. So maybe without even, you don't have to think about it too much, but let, let something digest before you go off to the next thing. And thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.